0: Welcome to the Shift Happens podcast, where we explore the latest trends and insights in the digital workplace. From the role of AI in the workplace to the future of remote work, we cover it all. Tune in as we chat with industry leaders and experts. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just getting started in the digital landscape, we've got you covered. Subscribe to Shift Happens wherever you listen to podcasts and stay ahead of the curve.
1: Shift Happens Podcast.
0: Remote work is convenient, and for many of us, it's a necessity. But doing your job from a distance can also cause anxiety, especially when it comes to collaboration. Jeff Lush recently tackled this challenge when he became Chief Information Officer at Air University, the professional military education university system of the U.S. Air Force. Now, using Microsoft Planner, members of Jeff's busy IT staff can assign and receive action oriented tasks to help take the ambiguity out of distance work. Let's learn more about how the group effort is flying high.
1: Shift happens podcast. Shift Shift happens happens
0: podcast. Podcast. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening, and welcome back to Shift Happens Podcast. I'm your host, Doug Raymond Sy, Chief Brand Officer of AppPoint, Modern Workplace Professional, and also Microsoft Regional Director MVP. For today's episode, I'm joined by Jeff Lush, CIO at Air University with the United States Air Force. Jeff, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. Jeff, uh, I, I caught up on your story. It's just been really inspirational and uh, motivating to see all the work you've done and, frankly, your organization Uh, Has invested in the last couple months. So, so let's start with the big picture here. You've been in the federal IT uh, industry pretty much for the last seventeen years. And what are some of the major shifts you've seen during this time?
1: So, I have a um, a unique perspective because I've spent uh, about fifteen years as a federal employee, and then another seventeen years as a civilian employee serving the federal government. So, um, you know. The last time I saw a shift in technology was at the end or the beginning of the 1990s, middle of the 1990s, when we started going to personal computers away from the mainframe computers. Now we're in this evolution of compute where people are starting to see the value of remote computing and the the huge power associated with, with technology that that before, unfortunately, before the COVID pandemic, they just didn't realize or weren't listening to. Mm. It,
0: it's funny you brought that up. I, I started my career in a similar way back when, but I think about technology trends, right? I feel like what's old, it's new again. Uh, you, you talk about in the 80s and 90s where there's, there's this idea of distributed computing or, or PCs, uh you know where we went away from that centralized mainframe type of approach. But there's a lot of key ideas that we had way back then that I'm seeing today uh in, in this day and age of the cloud.
1: Absolutely. The the movement uh that we're moving to a centralized environment now we just call it cloud instead of mainframes, right? And some of those clouds are running on mainframes for Pete's sake, right? (laughs) So it's been a complete full circle, but the enablement of our collection of data and the management of those data points and the delivery of education all now remote uh, is a wonderful transition in the market.
0: Now, speaking of this transition, you mentioned that you've served... uh, you know, for 15 years in uh, the government and then 17 years civilian. What are your observations in terms of uh, how the government adopts the change? What are some of the challenges? What are some of the great things that you've seen? And essentially, how does the government handle shifts?
1: Yeah, so <laughs> the shift of technology within the federal space is always governed by contracting And it's not enough just to have great technology available, but if we can't get the contracting piece of it squared away, right, how do we purchase, how do we maintain, um, then we can't use the technology. So historically, over the years, we've been way behind the eight ball. But now, as technology has kind of improved, the cloud first came out, what, 10 years ago or so, Now, contracting is really focused on a little more flexibility and how do we run technology through the process. And so I've really seen this evolution in the last five years of government, and the Air Force is certainly no exception to embracing commercial delivered software as the core foundation. And then we'll tinker with it to make it fit our needs versus. 20 years ago where we were developing the government software and adding peripheral stuff from the commercial industry. So it's been a nice shift uh, that's enabled us within the federal government.
0: And, and to me, that's really impressive. I mean, you think about the federal government, it's, it's a large entity, but once a decision is made, once the benefits are seen, everybody's just jumping leaps and bounds and adopting this new capabilities that the cloud offers. So, Jeff, now of course you're you're with the Air University. Can you tell us a bit about the mission of the institution and uh, how does it relate to the broader U.S. Air Force? Sure. So, you know, the Air University is this
1: gem that is unnoticed, I think, by a lot of federal agencies. In fact, I've served with the federal government my entire life, and unless you're in the Air Force, you probably don't even know about the Air University, but it is a, um, a master's and PhD university, similar to a Duke or Yale. We serve well over 300,000 students, graduating approximately 125,000 students a year. The primary mission of the university, of course, is focused on building a better airman, but we have a lot of joint services join us as well. So we'll see Army and um, Navy and and others kind of join in, as well as international students uh, coming over to participate and participating globally. We have um, probably at any minute of any day, 15,000 remote students accessing content within the Air University. So it serves as that, the university, the educational arm of the U.S. Air Force, different than the Academy in Colorado Springs, which is a four-year college. Air University focuses on master's and PhD, but also has the, I think, the world's largest community college called the Community College of the Air Force, as well. So for enlisted folks, they can come in and get a four-year degree while they're in and serving within the Air Force. So it's been a great it's nice to see a huge focus on education.
0: Prior to learning about your story, I I have no information of uh, Air University. I didn't know about it, but after hearing about it, I'm like, wow, this is such a great story, such a Uh, A large organization as well, perfect for what we're talking about here. And and one of the unique things about your story is that I've spoken to a few IT leaders about how they had to react to COVID. But you actually started your role in May after much of the widespread work from home policy. So what was that like trying to start a leadership role in an environment where you're remote? (laughs) <laughs>
1: yeah. So I still haven't met all of my uh, staff yet. So, um, you know, there's lots of folks. We The university as a whole has been very focused on remote learning. So the transition was relatively simple. We had a lot of the processes in place. But when I got there in May, we were just up to our eyebrows of putting in wireless access points throughout campus in 70 different buildings because what we were experiencing was we would have students come onto campus and then we would have a small breakout or something was occurring. We'd have to isolate, right, and quarantine. And so we needed local people in lodging attending classes on the university. And then when we had an all clear, they could all join back together, socially distanced, of course, to do the things that they needed to do in a group, right, physical. So Um, it's been a little bit of an experience. I I often kid with folks in the office that um, I don't know what it will be like when everybody comes back to work because it's so quiet all the time. It's really kind of (laughs) nice.
0: Well, I'm I'm pretty sure when the world comes back, it's not going to be like before. I think we'll we'll get a good mix of what we're doing today being remote, but also we still need that in-person interaction. Uh, So I think we'll get a good hybrid setup uh, uh, in the near future.
1: Yeah, I agree. You know, we did a poll actually to that point was when this, when we're all, we got the all clear and we can all start coming back to work. How many of you want to come back to work? Um, About 10% of the staff said, absolutely, we want to work in an office. But a majority of the staff said, hey, I'd really like to do a couple days at home, and a couple days in my home at, at, at the office and kind of do this hybrid approach. So I think it's going to be very interesting uh, when we move forward. And we, we want to, as far as the Air University, certainly in my directorate, which is all the IT folks, we want to make sure that we're as accommodating as humanly possible.
0: You know, Jeff, when you started and you took the lay of the land, what did you see from an IT perspective? What are what are some of the advantages that you have in place and what were the top priorities that came up for you?
1: Yeah, so I think, you know, not specific just to the Air University, although we did this at the Air University. The first focus, of course, is customers and customer focus is absolutely critical. So we we realign to be their advocate. Um within the environment, right? And to really enable them. And we purchased technologies to support that initiative. But probably more importantly was our ability as a team. So we have about 79 folks uh, within the A6, which is our technology group at the university. We wanted to collaborate, not in the air quote collaboration sense, but we actually wanted to collaborate so that when I, assign a task to Joe Snuffy that Mary, who may not even be assigned to the task, but associated with that team can say, oh, hey, I worked on that two years ago. Here's some valuable information and she can input it and everything gets collected within the task and we execute accordingly. That process right there, which has taken about four months to roll out, has improved our productivity probably by 30% within the group and has lowered our anxiety level of our staff. This time where everybody's remote, it can be very anxious for people figuring out what they will need to do for the day. And, you know, you can get distracted easily when you work in a home office. So this has enabled them to really, really focus much more than they had before. It's been a huge benefit to our mission.
0: All right, you said something interesting, and I'd like to unpack that, right? So certainly, I 100% agree. Collaborating is not just working on documents together, but really being able to have context of the work that's being done, not only today, but maybe some previous work that may be related. So can you talk more about how did you enable that? And more importantly, when you talk about increased productivity of 30%, how do you exactly measure it? Hello, Shift Happens podcast listeners. I have an exciting offer for you. Join us for our in-person Shift Happens conference, October 10 to 11 in Washington, D.C. Registration is free. That's right, it's free. And you walk away with actionable strategies from industry leaders and peers to make Shift Happen in your digital workplace. Visit shifthappens.to to register today. We'll see you there.
1: Yeah, so great question. So, first of all, and certainly no endorsement as a federal employee, we don't endorse other people's products, but we use Microsoft Planner and it's been because we have a contract with them, of course, and it's been a great tool. So, the enabler has been Planner. And what we've done is instead of asking for an email, um, hey, can you send me document XYZ to look at? It's all done through tasks. And so that discipline starts at the top and works its way down because if you receive an email from me that says I need this inside of this task, your habit, your behavior pattern begins to focus on tasks. And so it's an, it's a slow process. You can't force it, right? But over the course of time, now the discipline within A6 is everything's done in tasks. If it's action-oriented, it's a task found within Planner. So, how do you measure that effectiveness? Well, in addition, coupled with task management is time management. So, we developed in Microsoft, again, inside of Power Apps, a small little application to log time, similar to Toggle, for example. And we Log the time. And then every week on staff meetings, I meet with my leaders, they meet with their teams and say, okay, this is how we're utilizing our time. And what we saw was the decrease in meetings and email and the increase over into tasks and specific action items. So we kind of metric it based on how that time shift is occurring and the number, the rate of new tasks being started and executed within the environment. And that's how we come up with our 30%.
0: Got it. So so I assume prior to you taking this role or joining the organization, they weren't using Planner, correct?
1: That's correct, yeah. There may have been one or two folks, but nowhere at an organization level.
0: So, so how did you get everybody to agree to do this? <laughs> aren't, aren't they thinking, who's this... New person trying to tell us what to do and change our ways. If it ain't broken.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're right. It's a, it's not an easy hill to climb. The first thing that I did was I tried to sell them on the the fact that this is going to make their life easier for their personal lives as well as their work lives. And then I told them how important it was for us as an organization to stay focused when we're at work on work and to not focus on personal things and vice versa. When you're off work, be off work. And that resonated well with them. You you see, what I've noticed over the years is if you just set the expectation, have patience, they actually, most people are very open to meeting those expectations. And so um, it wasn't a pull Let me give you another example. So we're rolling out a student information system throughout all of the campus. It's a huge initiative, Uh, the largest student information system in the world. So obviously lots of players. Instead of all the schools participating via email, all of them are forced, I guess, asked to communicate via Planner. Now what we have is every school using one huge plan that we have segmented out just for the collection and management of information related to our student information system migration and it's working spectacular. We can run dashboards with Power BI. I mean it's just it's limitless as far as the automation we can plug into that.
0: Sure I I, I think you you hit something very important here where yeah, I'm, I'm a technologist myself. I work in an IT organization. Oftentimes as IT, we're so caught up on pushing technology. Hey, you got to use this, you know, get rid of email, just use planner. Whereas at the end of the day, it's all about the context and what's in it for the person, right? In this case, you've described it where it can save you time. You don't have to uh, keep up with work when you clock off because this technology can make it simpler and easier yeah it's
1: it's all about value at the end of the day what is it and and not in a selfish way people are I don't believe they're selfish, but at the end of the day, what's in it for me <laughs> you know and you can and if you can show them that it's in it for them, they'll do it. You know what else I noticed out of this transition to organizing time more efficiently was that people became happier because now. They're not all stressed about, oh, I'm doing 12 different projects. I don't know where anything is anymore. It's all organized and the stress level goes down and the happy satisfaction to be there goes up.
0: Yeah, it's interesting you say that this morning. I was just reading uh, some news articles saying that today, a uh, typical knowledge worker spends about an hour and a half every single day looking for stuff. <laughs> Think about that, right? It, It's crazy.
1: It's crazy. And you can't. The problem is like we have, we are in the middle of a huge enterprise transformation. All of our systems, five major systems being renovated over the next two years. This is a major issue, right? Um, Lots of moving parts. I would go crazy without organization. Literally, I could not handle everything. Now, I have... The confidence, by the way, I just want to clarify, this is not micromanagement. Task management does not equal micromanagement. Task management equals comfort. I'm aware of what's going on. I don't have to take action, but I can see there's a heartbeat working the uh, programs and the initiatives into the end, end state.
0: And, and this is a huge shift, right? Because in the past, and I would say because technology is limited where people are working in silos, it's stuck in people's email inboxes. Whereas this concept of working out loud, working out in the open is relatively new in the last, I would say, five to 10 years. But talk about visibility, talk about uh, being able to do knowledge transfer and quickly onboarding people. It just, uh, it's just a radical transformation on, frankly, being much more efficient and being much more effective in the workplace.
1: Yeah, it is. It's it's hard to embrace. It's, you know, people, it's like exercise. Nobody wants to do it, right? Because it's extra work. But once they start doing it, they realize the benefits from it. Task management's very similar. It creates a flat, transparent organization. Everybody knows. And, you know, the hardest thing for for my group was, I think this is a military organization, right? You don't assign your leader things to do, right? That's right. (laughs) The leader always tells you what to do. When I came in, I kind of blew that up for him and said, look, don't send me an email with something you want. Assign it to me in a task. And it took a little while for them to get comfortable with assigning things to me, but they're all good now. And they realize the message that it sends is as a leader, I'm in they're right side by side with you fighting the fight. And there's a huge motivation that happens within a team when
0: everybody feels like they're part of the team. I mean, in, in, in your lingo, right? You're in the trenches with them. Yep. So, so beyond Pliner, uh, what other technology do you all take advantage of with Microsoft 365? I assume you all use Teams as well, especially now we're, we're all remote. We do. So Teams is a favorite. Our challenge with Teams is to
1: get them to extend beyond video calls and chat, right? Teams is a very powerful engine. So we're starting to work that. So we use that. um, Lists. So the transformation of people from Excel spreadsheets into lists has been huge for us. We've embraced a lot of Power Automate to automate a lot of that, including RPA, which is their robotic Process automation, I think is what it stands for, and access into CDS, right? A little more advanced with RPA and CDS, but the general user, I would say Teams, number one, Planner, number two, and then we move into SharePoint and Lists probably as number three. Notice none of the top three that I talk about is Outlook, email, or calendaring because we want people out of their inbox, the inbox is a dangerous place to be. Just get out of it, turn it into action, and uh, move forward.
0: And have you gotten feedback uh, by taking advantage of these technologies? Have you gotten stories or feedback on how much it, it improved people's work? Or were there use cases that just transformed uh, on, on how things are getting done? You know, I had, one, I had one
1: staff member, a great staff member, and and they came to me and said, I could have retired, and a year ago, I was becoming so overwhelmed with the number of email, and just I was just drowning, and I, I seriously considered just retiring because it was just too much work. Now they're very happy working, and they're reinvigorated, and and they're the reason for that is that there's clear lines of expectation in the way we use technology within our environment, right? Chat is for casual stuff, planners for action, you know, so we've defined those and set that precedent. And now they're very satisfied with their work um, because they've been able to use this technology to help them.
0: And, and that's another important thing. It sounds so simple, but it's very important in every organization. is different, but we set the expectation oftentimes as IT we assume that people would know what to do, right? Oh, here's Microsoft 365, have a good life. You'll know what to do with SharePoint, OneDrive, Planner, Power Automate. But then again, every organization is different. So by setting that baseline and say, this is how we're going to use Power Automate. This is how we're going to use Teams, et cetera, just makes it clearer and more importantly, puts everybody on the same page. It does. You, you got to lay
1: out the expectation. Once you lay it out and, and you have to train them, So another app that we use a lot is stream. Um, So we use stream. I use bookings a lot for my meetings. So, um, you know, and of course that's an E five or a five for us. Right. But vendors now wishing to do business with the air university. I have a soft spot having spent half of my career in the vendor community. Um, uh, they can book time on my calendar anytime. They don't have to go through my assistant. They have direct access, and so that is working. And those type of things are rolling out as well.
0: Speaking of meetings, have you uh, discovered Microsoft Scheduler?
1: You know, I I have. We used Scheduler, but it seems to be more complicated for people. I don't know why. <laughs> um, it seems simple enough to me, but um, but yeah,
0: I, I I love it because I could just. Uh... Matt mentioned Cortana in my email. I say, "Hey, Cortana, schedule a meeting with Jeff." People are like, "Wow, you have an EA? Yeah, her name's Cortana, or his <laughs> name's Cortana." Uh, and, and so, I assume this environment you're in—Are you in the commercial virtual work environment, or the CVR environment, or is this uh, a dedicated environment for the Air University?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. We have we run two IT environments within the Air Force. One is our Nipper sipper those are our classified and secured areas and that's run by the 42nd comm squadron the other side is the university side and that's run specifically by AU all wireless and that's commercial internet services and the primary need for that it's still secure it still meets the security requirements of the air force but the primary need is we share a lot of external content and that's why our tenant is in, we have an M365 tenant where the Air Force uses an O365 tenant called CHESS. We use m three sixty because we share a lot of external, we have a lot of guest speakers and facilitators and things that aren't in the Air Force. So we need to be able to enable that.
0: Boy, Jeff, sounds like y'all have taken a lot of great initiative since you joined the organization. So what's the next major initiative that got you excited and what you're working on?
1: So we're going to be going through our enterprise transformation here through the end of 2022, which is our complete commercialization and cloud movement for everything that runs the university. At the end of 2022, probably into 2023 a little bit, The university will run on a commercially available SAP platform for our SIS. It'll run on a Canvas platform for our learning management, on a ServiceNow platform for support, and uh, M365 for collaboration. And we'll continue to push the limits of the Microsoft uh, collaboration environment with Power Apps. What we're experiencing during the migration is that we're finding A lot of the schools are using their student information system for something other than what a student information system does typically, which is fine. But we're filling in those gaps with Power Automate and Power Apps and RPA, and it's working quite nice. So that's kind of the future for
0: the next two to three years. Awesome. It's, you know, it's a tall order, but I'm sure you and your team can definitely tackle it and uh, drive it home towards success. So for our listeners that I'm sure has learned a lot from our conversation, what are the three things you would advise everyone if they want to make shift happen in their organization, looking back in your career, looking back in the last few months working at the uh, air university
1: well wow, that's a that's a great question. I think the first thing is remember that when we restrict technology, a lot of times we do it based on our misunderstanding of the capability of that technology. And we create avenues, other avenues that we eventually have to deal with anyways. So if we totally lock down our environments, our users will find another path. And then we got to figure out how to lock down that path. So we have to, I guess the first bit of advice is be open to change to looking at new technology, test it, vet it, make sure it's not um, filled with security risk, but be open to new change, that's the first thing. The second thing is be organized, be organized. There's no reason for your team not to be in a 100% collaborative environment. That is the way that these cloud applications were designed to work. If you're using Office 365, that is the core of it. Understand what it does and collaborate with your users and your teams, and you will find efficiency just drive through the roof. The third and and probably the most important thing is care about your people, care about what they're doing, enforce that they don't work during their off time, support them in their personal lives, and embrace their diversity And all of this. All three of those, I think, lead to a happy, and I'll add a fourth one. I know you asked for three, but the fourth is transparency. There's no reason to hide things from people on teams. Be open and transparent um, as much as the law allows, and um, you will find that people will be the same with you. And you don't have to worry about what you did because you're always telling the truth because everybody knows the truth. So those would be the things I would suggest, yeah.
0: Well, love it, love it, love it. Thank you, thank you so much, Jeff, for your time and your words of wisdom. And for everybody else, again, I'd like to thank you for tuning in for another episode of Shift Happens Podcast. If you've enjoyed this conversation, make sure you subscribe and tell your friends and family about it. So until the next time, make sure you wear your mask, wash your hands, and. Take care.
1: Shift Happens Podcast.
0: Thanks again for listening. We all want to know where we stand at work, both with our colleagues and with our supervisors. Being able to collaborate and deliver clear expectations for an important project is key, not only to ensure the job gets done, but to engage and empower everyone involved. Using a task-oriented tool such as Microsoft Planner is a great way to start. The positive results seen at Air University ought to inspire us all to take a thoughtful, in accountable approach to teamwork, whether our coworkers are around the world or under the same roof. Shift
1: Happens Podcast.
0: podcast. Shift Happens podcast. podcast is a production of AdPoint Inc., produced and edited by the AdPoint Brand Team. Stay up to date on the latest trends in digital workplace transformation by visiting AppPoint.com.